0: Find out first and on satellite at Galaxy 13, Channel 16, Audio 7.70.
1: brother Gregory and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God we're going to talk about the kingdom of God in relationship to the Sabbath Sabbath versus Sunday Saturday versus Sunday I was once in a uh, store on Sunday and uh, somebody was waiting for auto parts uh, guy to get around to me and somebody said oh you guys are open on the Sabbath and uh, I turned to him and I said today's not the Sabbath and he looked at me and he said what do you mean and I said well the Sabbath means seventh day and he says well this is the last day of the week and I said and I turned there's a big calendar on the wall there in the auto parts place and I pointed to the calendar I said not in not on any calendar I've ever seen it uh The Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, and on every calendar, that's Saturday. That's what we call Saturday is the seventh day. And he looked at the calendar, and he looked at me, and and I said, I'm not making a big deal, but you said Sabbath, and Sabbath is is yesterday. (laughs) And he says, oh, you know, you're right. I never thought about it. And that's one of the problems. We never thought about it. We never think about these things and what they mean. Unfortunately, some people are thinking about the Sabbath and not getting the big picture. They're thinking that, oh, we need to be, you know, worshiping on the Sabbath and gathering on the Sabbath and worshiping God, you know, in in these ancient ways of the Hebrews. Well, that would be great if we actually knew what the ancient ways of the Hebrews were, but most people go and ask the Pharisees, what are we supposed to be doing according to the Old Testament? when they want to become Messianic Jews in other words accept Christ but go back to some of the traditions of the Jews and actually I think that would be great if we went all the way back to what Moses said because we know that Moses and Christ were in agreement here we see in the New Testament Moses and Christ standing next to each other in this special event that took place with Peter and them up on the mountain so Moses and Christ were in agreement, but Christ made it very clear that the Pharisees and Moses were not in agreement, and this was also seen in the fact that they were not in agreement with Christ, and Christ is in agreement with God, the Father, because he is God the Son, and so Moses and God and Christ and Elijah, they're all in agreement, but the Pharisees were not in agreement with them, but we keep going back to the Pharisees and saying, well, what were you guys doing? And we try to do that, and that's a big mistake. It's going to lead to the strong delusion that the Pharisees were under. And so we have to get the big picture. We have to begin to hear the Spirit of God in our hearts and in our minds and act according to the leading of that Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is who is to be guiding us. And we have these wonderful tools like the Bible to take a look at to obtain some information and knowledge. Knowledge is a tool, not a source. It's the spirit that's the source. We talked about that earlier on other broadcasts. And we'll talk about it and talk about it and talk about it till the cows come home because that's very important to understand that you need to be guided by that spirit and that spirit is the spirit of Christ in you. Now in Exodus 28, we see remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And how you keep it holy is to remember that it was the seventh day that God rested, but it was the six days before that he worked. And so where did this idea of worshiping on Sunday come from? Well, it started very much so with Eusebius and Constantine. And Eusebius writes all things whatsoever that it was the duty to do on the Sabbath These we have transferred to the Lord's day. Now, who's we? That's Constantine and Asubius. And did they have the authority to do that? Well, I don't even think Constantine was a Christian, and I have my doubts about Asubius at times, too, and I don't want to pick on the individuals, but I certainly see them doing things contrary to the ways of Christ. Constantine was a murderer all his life. He didn't even get baptized until he was dead, There's some dispute as to whether he was completely dead when they sprinkled water on him when he was lying on the deathbed. But his actions alone, the fruits of his actions are clearly not that of a Christian. What he did was he claimed to be the uh, Pontifex Maximus of the church. He was the high priest of the church. He just made himself that, sat on a golden throne, called all the bishops of the Roman Empire, to come to a meeting. There was at least 1,200 known bishops at the time, 319 show up, and that's not a quorum, so they didn't really trust him. And those who came, some of them even left before the meeting was over. The next time there was a meeting, there was about 150 guys show up, yet there were far more bishops. Why so few is because really the church established by Constantine didn't have much going for it. Most of the people that were the members of that church did not repent and get baptized. They just got baptized. That was the call, just get baptized. And their leaders were clearly not men of Christ, not following the ways of Christ. Uh, They were, uh, none of them hardly even uh, matched what the Bible says are the qualifications for being a bishop. They don't even come close in many cases, but they were well-financed. Millions upon millions of dollars were poured into this new church established by Constantine. Uh, Huge uh, tracts of land, uh, buildings, uh, altars of silver, thousands of pounds of silver were given to these guys, and regular uh, encouragement through donations by these rich and elite were creating this new church. Most Christians that had existed before Constantine had nothing to do with this group. They weren't a part of it. They didn't agree with it. They were doing something completely different. There were some Christians who began to be enticed by these tremendous gifts and what have you. One of the things we need to understand is that the previous emperors before Constantine property that had been really taken away from the church. Yes, the church had property. The ministers lived on those properties. They uh, had granaries. They put up food. Uh, they provided care uh, for the needy of their society, and they did it in a very unique way, which brings me to the second quote. But Sunday is the day on which we hold our common assembly because it is the first day on which God, having wrought change in the darkness and matter, made the world. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the same day, rose from the dead. So Justin is talking about this idea of this sabbath being on sunday no no that's not what he's saying he didn't say what Eusebius said Eusebius said all that we were supposed to do on the sabbath we're now going to do on this sunday uh to the lord's day but he's saying that sunday is their day that they hold their common assembly the sabbath has never been a day of common assembly it's a day of rest And it's not restful to get everybody together and go to another location and gather with a bunch of other people and start providing. The way the Sabbath was is you went home. And sometimes you took a guest home and you had your meals kind of prepared ahead of time so there was very little fuss and muss. People running around doing stuff was not what we were all about. It was about resting. Resting in the Lord, knowing that the Lord is the Lord of our week, and he said to rest on that day, and out of respect, we try to rest on that day. Here I am on Sabbath doing a radio program. Well, I'm going to try to take the rest of the day off as much as I possibly can. But I am speaking to you in my house from a chair in the corner of my office, uh, speaking into a microphone about God. And I'm sharing with you what I see God telling us, is that the Sabbath is a day of rest, not a day of common assembly. So what was Justin talking about 150 years before the As a matter of fact, he was writing that to the emperor uh, Antonius Pius who was a very interesting emperor as emperors go they're all kind of fascinating characters some of them are very despicable but he was a pretty moral guy he started uh, orphanages and in the starting of those orphanages uh, he uh, was actually an orphanage for girls specifically because there were a lot of homeless uh, children orphans that were caused by famine and uh, sickness and and disease that would sometimes run rampant through Rome during the decline in fire. I mean, they were half-inflation because they had taken all the silver out of Roman silver coin, and they had taken the gold out of the Roman golden coin, and this was causing the price of bread to increase by thousands. Of times, I mean, it went from six denarii for a sack of wheat to over 200,000 denarii for the same sack of wheat because the denarii had no silver in it. And any government that would do something that stupid, that foolish, and any people that would allow that to take place would be absolutely worthy of nothing but destruction and should be uh, under tribute and should be um, having uh, terrible things happen to them because they don't have just weights and measures in their pocket. They have fraudulent weights and measures, and they are not tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith that Christ said to tend to. And so they deserve the destruction that awaits them if they do something that foolish. You don't know anybody who would do something that foolish. Would you take the silver out of their coins. Uh, I'm being facetious, of course. But the fact is that Sunday was their day of common assembly for the early church, but most of the church was still taking the Sabbath off as a day of rest. And they there was some controversy about this, and there were some early church writers who brought it up, but most of those uh, early church writers like Irenaeus and, uh, uh, and some of the others uh, said that we should be keeping the Sabbath it was Eusebius and Constantine that said to the contrary but what does it mean to keep the Sabbath what is that really all about is it about the day we know that the Pharisees were trying to keep it yet there was a controversy between Christ and the Pharisees concerning the Sabbath and and Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath it's not to bind you up it's not to punish you if you don't you know if you have to go out and pull a sheep out of a well actually had to pull a Two calves out of a well, one. <laughs> that was a lot. It would have been easier if it was a sheep. Even a wet sheep would be way less than those calves did. But they fell into a well, and fortunately I found out about it almost as and uh, had a rope in the truck and ran across the field and uh, and and lassoed them. And I was able to pull them out using uh, uh, a lot of very clever <laughs> techniques. <laughs> I had one other fairly big guy with me that... We were able to do it, pull those calves out. The first difficulty was to get the calf out and then to get the rope off the calf so I could get it on the other calf who was still in the well. <laughs> it was exciting, to say the least. But I had to do that on the Sabbath. And why I was even out there was kind of a, an amazing thing because I wouldn't have wanted to even be out there. But the Holy Spirit leads us and saves the lives of those calves. And... uh Anyway, the point is, is that that's what Justin was talking about. And that quote is used sometimes to say, see, we're supposed to be uh, worshiping on Sunday. No, what were they doing in their common assembly? Those that had shared with those that did not have. They were bringing out sacks of grain as a part of the Eucharist, the sharing. Eucharist means Thanksgiving. And they were bringing out sacks of grain and bread and sharing it with those that weren't going to have enough to get them through the week. These were hard times. This was just before Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius had the worst human rights record of any emperor for persecuting Christians because he did it officially. And what what was one of his main beefs with them? They wouldn't register their children. They wouldn't get birth certificates. Where were birth certificates kept? They were kept in the Temple of Saturn. Why? Because they needed to know how old you were and where you were born and know whether or not you were going to get the benefits and his government. Because Christians wouldn't partake of their benefits. They had to go to church to get benefits. They weren't building big cathedrals. They were taking care of one another. What an original idea. Their tithings, yes, supported the ministers. Ten families got together picked a minister. He was health, education, and welfare. He was their connection with the rest of Christianity. Now, of course, they had other connections, too, because they got together on the feast, and daughters and sons got married from different congregations and different groups. And when that happened, they had ties that way. And that's why the feast existed. God doesn't need you to wave your hands and praise him. He's not insecure about the fact that he is God. He doesn't need your adoration to make him feel good. You can't put him up on a pedestal. He's God. We think we need, some of us think we need, and we don't know either, he needs you to follow his ways. And when he talks about the Sabbath, he's talking about his way, his, his character. You're not doing things in the name of God because you spell his name correctly. You're doing things in the name of God because you're doing it in the way of God. That's what Christianity was called, the way. What way? The way God would do it. What would Jesus do, like the T-shirt said. Well, he wouldn't go to Caesar and say, Caesar, can you take some money away from my neighbor so that I can have social welfare? And if my neighbor doesn't pay you, you can go to his house and beat him up, his, everything that he's worked for. If he doesn't, you know, contribute to my welfare, give me free education, free health care, free bread, and and maybe some free entertainment, you can go to his house and beat him up to make sure that he contributes to me. Now, would you say that? Would Christ say that? Well, that's what most Christians say. They say, that's okay. That's a government. It can do that. And it can do that because everybody made agreements with the government. Now, how do you get out of those agreements? Righteously? Well, don't even think about that. Think about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Don't worry about getting away from the table of Caesar. Worry about setting the table of the Lord. And the way we are showing people how to do this is we've started this internet network. You can join the living network in your area. And you can get on the group and then you're on an email group are you in the church? No. You're on an email group. Are you keeping the Sabbath yet? No, not yet. You might be taking Sunday off or Saturday off, uh, but that doesn't have anything to do with keeping the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath has to do with working for six days and taking your day of rest as opposed to taking your day of rest and owing six days at work. That's the way the world does it. You, you apply and you get a guarantee of benefits not faith, hope, and charity, but force, fear, and violence, you are guaranteed that we will take from your neighbor if you need anything. That's what you're guaranteed. And you're saying, yeah, I like that idea. What you need to do is like the ideas of Christ, loving one another, caring for one another, pure religion. Taking care of the needy of your society, unspotted by the world, the world being the constitutional order and system of governments that have benefactors as their leaders, but benefactors who exercise authority, benefactors we were told not to have, and early Christianity didn't have, and in order to provide for their needy, they needed to meet on the first working day of the week and say, Hey, anybody need anything? What's your prayer? What's your application? Do you have enough food to get you through this week? Is everybody here? No, a couple of people couldn't make it because they're, you know, sick or, you know, they're too far away. And said, okay, well, here, take some of this bread and take it to them and check on them. And they give it to a deacon, a minister, and he runs through the streets and he makes sure they got enough to get them through. Why? Because those who had shared with those that didn't have enough. They loved one another. And a very interesting thing that also takes place when you have this intimate relationship of tens, hundreds, and thousands, which is the way the early church was formed, and we see it all over Europe. We explained it in detail in the book, That Kingdom Comes. You have an intimate relationship with the needy of your society. You know who is really just a lazy bum and who really is deserving of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. You have discriminating discriminating charity. You don't have charity. You have the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then at a time of affluence, you did not strengthen the poor. You weakened the poor by giving them too many gifts, gratuities, and benefits, which Butarch says is the greatest destroyers of liberty. So the Christians were meeting on Sunday for a reason after their day of rest on the Sabbath. And we need to be doing the same thing, but we need to be doing it for the same purposes. There's a reason why these commandments exist there's a there's a way expressed in those commandments. you know I actually have ministers saying, "Oh well, that's all done away with We're saved by grace." Well, of course, we're always saved by grace. There's nothing you can do where God owes you salvation. but did Jesus say you don't have to keep the commandments He says that you want eternal life, keep the commandments. He says that if you love me, you will keep the commandments. Period. He didn't say, if you love me, you'll try to keep the commandments. He says, if you love me, you will keep the commandments. If you're not keeping the commandments, you better take a look at what you call love, because maybe you don't love him as much as you need to love him and you don't have eternal life because you're not keeping the commandments. Now, I'm not saying you're saved by works, but you will be judged by works, and the Bible tells us. not those who say, I believe, I love the Lord, I Lord, Lord, but those who are doing the will of the Father. Not that in the doing, God will owe you. He won't. He's still saved by grace. But if the Bible is going to be a reproof for a correction, it's telling you if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. If you love me, you will keep the commandments. And they're telling you how you can tell whether or not your love is real or if you're just fooling yourself. Well, most of the Christians today, or people professing to be Christians, are actually seemingly fooling themselves because they're neither keeping the commandments or doing what Christ said to do. So we'll talk more about this Sabbath when we get back, and we'll look into more about the bigger picture of the Sabbath. And about this wave of Christ.
0: first on FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at one 4188 or visit discountgoldandsilvertading dot Listen to Financial Survival with your host Melody Cedarstrom and regular guest world renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com dot at four p.m. Eastern or one p.m. Pacific time. Visit discountgoldandsilvertading dot or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at one eight hundred three seventy five forty one eighty eight. 375 4188 toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have For waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church. The whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from firstamendmentradio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them, if not you? If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at FirstAmendmentRadio.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all of our programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you may request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $25, or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You may do all of this online at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. You may also adopt an hour of your favorite program, Please don't forget that most of the programs on FirstAmendmentRadio.com are listener-supported. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773 and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Welcome
1: back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're still talking about the Sabbath versus Sunday, the Sabbath being the day of rest. Sunday in the early church was used as a day of assembly, but it was to do the work of the kingdom. It was to set the table of the Lord. It was to take care of the needy. And so they gathered together on that day to do the work of government because Christ preached a government and that government operated by faith, hope and charity and all the other governments of the world were starting to operate more by force, fear and violence. They bound citizens together in social contracts, those social contracts were covenants with those men who believed that they were literally God. We hear about Augustus being proclaimed a God, we hear about other uh, emperors being proclaimed a God. Reality is this is just uh, the result of an election of the electoral senate and the power of the senate which altered quite a bit over the period of Rome's decline and fall. But originally the senate were the old men who were picked by the local heath or hearth groups and tribes to form a central body that would help unite the rest of the people of Rome, so in case of invasion or flood or disaster, they could help one another. Rome was actually moved inland from a place closer to the coast because of a severe, evidently, tidal wave or some sort of flood, and they moved in towards the the, the, uh, place where there are seven hills, and it was referred to as the city of seven hills, which is a part of prophecy, but Rome of that government. And that government was eventually a republic. It became a republic about 500 years before Christ. It was a kingdom before that. The Tarquinian kings were cast out, and they established a republic. A republic was in the form of what we call libera res publica, free from things public, where the individual free man was ruler of his own house. And most of the charity of Rome at that time was handled by free will offerings of the people through these hearths and gatherings of hearths into groups of ten families, and those families gathering together. And there were certain men who were elected as equestrians, usually because of their wealth and prominence, and they valued character and honor and justice in their people. They had a moral code, Uh, they had the 12 tablets, they had a belief in God, and actually, most people don't realize this, but early Rome formed itself much as the early Republic of Israel formed itself more than a century before. They had this idea that individuals had rights, individuals uh, had these rights given to them by their creator now, yes, they ended up having different names for their creator, but part of that is language. The reality is if you look at some of the moral character, there was no divorce amongst them. There was uh, Family was extremely important. Honor was extremely important. Every citizen attending to law and justice and mercy was extremely important. And, of course, that's what Christ called the weightier matters. They used substance to pay debt, and paying debt was very important. Again, back to that honor thing. So there was a great deal of nobility in them. They did know about the God of the Hebrews, and I don't know that they didn't believe that that's who they were worshiping. The Etruscans before them, the Tarquinian kings that they threw out, uh, had worshiped a sort of sun god. And you'll see Etruscan... uh, Jewelry having uh, images of the sun on it. Now, again, I'm not going to start getting too in-depth into the symbolism of that. Let's look at the actual character and the way in which they operated. Now, they certainly didn't walk on water. They certainly were not a perfect people. But because they had the virtuous integrity built into their belief system, they prospered. They prospered to the point of affluence above any other nation. And this gave them power. They, most of their wealth they did not obtain by conquering other nations. Most people don't know it, that the legions were, you know, if you were a legionnaire, you were not likely in the course of your whole life as a legionnaire to pull your sword in battle. The battles get a lot of the press, but the reality is most of the legionnaires were builders. They built roads. They built harbors. They built uh, aqueducts to bring fresh water and hygiene to people. They improved the quality and standard of life. They also mined uh, mountains of gold and silver out of existence so that they would bring this huge treasure in. They were great traders uh, throughout the world, and they had a huge system of economy. With that affluence, they also came a certain amount of sloth and laziness. Instead of doing their own work, they hired a lot of people from outside of their nations who came in with other values. They did have battles and wars and disputes with other governments such as the Greeks and the Greeks brought in their own influence of corruption into their society. But bringing corruption to a society is not enough. The society has to be susceptible to that corruption and of course with that affluence came that. There were very many noble men even at the time of Christ that were still wanting to go back to the ways of the republic but once octavius became the savior of rome augustus caesar the the die was pretty much cast and the moral character necessary to bring the people back to a state of freedom did not exist you were not going to get the vote most people don't realize that there was a vote you voted to establish who was going to be in the senate the senate voted who was going to be the emperor and who was going to be the god of the nation what was the god of the nation it was the apotheos, the appointer of gods throughout the nation. We have an article on this in God's Many. Uh, it, we also make a reference to it in the uh, pamphlet Rome Versus Us. The apotheos, or uh, the appointer of gods, which Augustus, this was his title, simply mean he appointed judges throughout the empire to decide imperial matters of law. And that's what they were doing. They were appointing the judges. The same title is given to George Washington because as president of the United States, he had the power to appoint federal judges throughout the empire of the United States. And the empire of the United States, because at that time, all the states were separate governments, separate states. They were as foreign to each other as as Mexico is to Canada. So understanding this context of history, we can see how history repeats itself and so this idea of the sabbath which is a day of faith and see we don't live by faith we don't live by charity we don't live by hope anymore in most of the governments of the world we live by entitlement we don't pray to god for our daily bread we pray to the gods of this world for our daily bread and we know that the daily bread that they offer us is simply taken away from our neighbors so by the very way in which we exist in the world today, we are coveting our neighbor's goods. That's where we're at. We have abandoned the law of God. We have abandoned the laws of Christ, and we have sat down and met with rulers, and we have done so as men of great appetite, and we have been served deceitful things. And what should have been for our welfare has become a snare. And for those of you who are aware of these quotes in the Bible that we quote all the time, know that I'm I'm just literally almost reading out of the Bible as I'm speaking to you. You won't hear many of those quotes in your modern churches because your modern churches are not telling you the gospel of the kingdom. They have watered down the gospel, and they are really giving you the gospel of Constantine. You don't have to repent and get baptized. You just have to get baptized. Repenting meant... You were going to start taking care of one another in pure religion by faith, hope, and charity. People don't understand that Rome had gone from the state where most of the welfare of the people was taken care of through their local congregations of people and families to a state in which most of the welfare was taken care of by the civil government and the civil government in order to obtain the funds necessary to do that. At first, they took it from foreign countries that had given them a reason to to go to battle. They did it because of the huge wealth that was in the hands of Augustus. Augustus gave billions of... Ser- <coughs> Excuse me. Augustus Caesar had given billions of Cersei, out to the poor, to his soldiers. I mean, at 19, he started his first army and went out to defend the Republic. He states this clearly in his own memoirs, which he wrote when he was about, I think, 72 or in his older age, saying, this is what I've done. And he, at one time, he, he provided almost all the welfare of the city of Rome out of his own pocket. Now do that as much, or at least it didn't really not out of their own pocket because their pocket was lined with the spoils that they got to using government uh, financed soldiers to go and uh, produce this uh, huge wealth in their own pocket. But the reality is, is that you know, if you go back to the ways that Moses was telling you, you're not supposed to be taking these spoils because suddenly it makes war profitable, and that's what happened to Rome when they got, you know, most of their wealth they obtained before all these wars. And, but their need for the benefits made it so that they had to extract more and more from those countries they conquered, and therefore their tribute demands went up and up and up. But at the, by the time of of Septimus uh, Severus, um, who actually was an emperor, I think he came from the north, uh, which is only, you know, about 100 years after Christ, he had a a social welfare system that included health care for the entire empire, pre-medical for the entire empire. You know, eventually that had to be taken away because it was bankrupting the system, and this is why Constantine decided to go over to this Christian concept. He, he funded this early Christianity that he was establishing uh, to a great deal, but the idea was that you're not going to be able to come to us for benefits anymore because I'm too busy making war on my uh, partners and my neighbors and my friends and consolidating my wealthy empire and I'm not going to be taking care of the social welfare of the people, so you guys have this other church over here that I'm going to create where you go to for your welfare. And so still, even though this apostate Christianity was formed by Constantine, it did take care of much of the welfare of the people. It also allowed for a lot of other things to come in where they were able to actually begin to oppress the people. The same place during the Hasmonean uh, rule of Judea, where the power of the Levites began to control more and more of the property of the people, more and more with the the welfare system that was set up by Herod and and some of the kings before him, but Herod started baptizing people into the kingdom of God, and but when you got baptized, you were also registered, and you had to pay in, or the police would come knocking at your door and saying, you know, time to contribute, and if you didn't contribute, you could be arrested, your property could be seized, etc. This is where Christ comes in and says, no, we're not going to do it that way, we're going to do it the way Moses said, we're going to do it by faith, hope, and charity, and by loving one another, and we had to turn away from that. Somehow or other, people think, oh, that God did away, or Jesus did away with the Sabbath, it's Constantine who did away with the Sabbath, and he did so for his own personal and private use. If you go back to some of the other authors of the Bible, you'll see that uh, 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 Tartullian, uh, I shouldn't say authors of the Bible, authors in the early church, Tartullian and others were saying that thus Christ did not at all rescind the Sabbath. He kept the law, referring to the Ten Commandments thereof, and he restored to the Sabbath, the works for were proper for it. So what were the works proper for it? Well, it was not only the rest on the seventh day, but it's the work you did the other six days, and that work of the church began with taking care of the social welfare of the people. That you, If you were sick, you did not go to the national health care system set up by the emperors; You went to church. If you didn't have enough food to get you through the week, you didn't go to the national welfare system set up by the emperors through the temples of Saturn and where you would show your birth certificate to prove that you were eligible for those benefits, you would go to church and they knew you at church and they took care of you at church. You know, we're to take care of the poor in our church first and then later we'll talk about the Uh, the aid to foreign groups but we're not taking care of the needy in our church so why are we out there giving to and, and weakening the poor and the rest of society we need to turn around and repent and start operating in a much different way we in this country we've gone into a system of socialism that covets our neighbor's goods and that, by essence, all socialism is evil that operates through civil government. In one sense, Christianity is a socialist state, but it's based on free will offerings. And that makes it distinct from any other system of socialism. Because if the offerings are not free will, if the leaders are not titular, you are on your way to despotism. You're on your way to Babylon. You're on your way to benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. And we were not to be that way. And if we're not to be that way, what part of not be that way don't you understand? We need to repent. Now, in order to do this, we've started this network. You can join that network and you're in that, that network by email, but you need to pick a contact minister. People say, well, I don't know any of these guys. How are you going to get to know them if you don't pick them? Somebody volunteers, you say, hey, you be my contact minister. Give me a call. I'll give you a call. We'll talk. If we can, we'll drive near each other. We'll meet each other. We'll get to know each other. Are you You joining? Well, there's hardly anybody in my area, so why join? There is somebody in your area. You don't know who they are. You haven't found them yet. And so you're joining so that you find them. If the sheep in the field say, oh, well, we don't want to come together because I don't see everybody together yet doesn't work that way what happens is the sheep run to the nearest sheep and then that one runs to the next nearest and the next nearest until they're all in a bundle and the coyotes run around the outside trying to figure out how to get in with all those thousands of eyes staring at them and if the sheep are really smart which some of them have been in the past we used to have an old mustang out in the field and when the coyotes came in they all ran together but they also ran together over by that old mustang and so you saw all these sheep with their thousand eyes staring outwards at the coyote and he's looking around look he wants to come in from the back and there is no back because they're all staring outwards but in the middle of them there's this big huge tall black mustang and we didn't lose a sheep during that time finally that mustang died about 150 years in horse years (laughs) about 35 years old Uh, but uh, that that was good sense to come together and the sheep doesn't have a brain as big as you so don't be outdone by those sheep you need to learn to come together and the email network is just a way to begin that process and it's a process pick that contact minister and we'll try to find others and bring them together if you're waiting for somebody to build it and then come forget it you build it you build it together with those there because when you do that it will belong to you we're not going to do this for you you got to learn to carry your own weight if you're headed for the kingdom because by caring about those others you have not yet found yet in your area, you show that you love one another. And if you say, well, I don't want to come to you guys have a group for them, then give me a call. Forget it. You're not suitable for the kingdom. You're not fit for the kingdom. You're not doers of the word. You're supposed to be out there seeking one another. Don't expect others to do it for you. Be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. The problem is selfishness and apathy. So we mentioned briefly that there was a baptism of John the Baptist and there was a baptism of Herod, and there was also a baptism of Constantine. Constantine didn't require repentance. John the Baptist and Christ did herod required that you actually abandon the ten commandments and start coveting your neighbor's goods through his social welfare program that's pretty much way the world is today you have both the world of constantine in the form of the apostate church and the world of herod in the form of social welfare system and i say herod but we could also say augustus caesar and some of these other caesars that followed him some of them actually tried to restore the republic at times Augustus was trying to do that. That was one of the major platforms that he spoke on when he was trying to get elected. But he didn't have too much trouble getting elected, considering his fabulous wealth and the fact that the army was answerable to him. But this, of course, was 500 years after the establishment of the original republic, and we were already seeing at the time of Augustus the death throes of that republic. It became a new republic, not libera republica thing, free from things public but things public res publica and we talk about that in higher liberty and some of the other books to explain it in greater detail but continuing this discussion of the sabbath and there are three that bear witness in earth the spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree in one we need to agree in spirit now, there's a baptism of water, but more important, there is a baptism of spirit, and we are to baptize people in spirit. Now, how do we do that? Well, we have to have the ways of the spirit, or the Holy Spirit will not dwell in us, will not live in us. And we may have accepted Christ in our hearts, but we may have been grain that sprouted along the road, too, where well, we blow up and choke us out will the birds of the air come and pluck us up or will we persevere until the end we need to persevere until the end jesus answered verily verily i say unto you except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god well evidently constantine said you know you just have you don't have to change in the ways that you operate, in the ways that you live. And he continued to make men nothing more than merchandise and human resources. And that's what we've done today. Peter warned us through covetousness they wouldn't make merchandise of you, and that didn't happen. You have made agreements with people who do not believe in faith, hope, and charity, but believe in force, fear, and violence. And you have been made human resources, and now they can come and take your sons and daughters and put them to their own work. And this sin is upon your head. And it is blaspheming the Holy Spirit to continue to not see the truth that it is the Spirit that giveth life. Not to think that if by using certain words or worshiping on a certain day that somehow or other you're magically going to be saved is boulder dash. It is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be keeping the Sabbath. You should be, but you should be doing it not because you worship the Sabbath, but because you worship God. You need to have His Spirit written in you. And if you have His Spirit written in you, you will not want to take benefits that are provided by taking away from your neighbor that did not freely give, but had to give. You see, when Jesus says, Freely receive, freely give, freely give, freely receive. He means that completely. And the benefits you get from the world are not freely provided by those who provide the substance of that gift. It's not a gift. It's an entitlement. You're not living by that spirit. Now, how come we didn't see that? Now, some of you are saying, oh, my gosh, I never saw it that way. Why not? But be assured, if you're seeing it that way now, that is by the blessings of the Holy Spirit. Because I can say this to a lot of people, and they say, what are you talking about? I don't get that. You know, I, I, they owe me. I paid in. They owe me. Then you never cast your bread upon the water. If you paid in, you're just buying insurance. You have cast in your lot and consented to all have one purse. And you say, I have an entitlement to your purse because we're all in the same system. You've betrayed God, you betrayed the Sabbath, you betrayed Christ. You don't even know. Him. Turn around. Repent. Come together. Turn them up, heaven. And it's right. And until you do that, you know, make peace be upon your mouth. And may God be with you. God bless you. Don't
0: Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon 97640 You can also <coughs> on the web at <coughs>